Now, Tim, I think we needed those symbols on that, learning that new song. We're you know, kind of uh, weak on the praise the Lord things there, but, uh, but we'll get to know it, and uh, no doubt uh, it's a, a wonderful song and a wonderful way to praise God, praise the Lord. So uh, thank you, Steve, for introducing us to some new music, some new things here. Uh, we're delighted to have you with us this morning. Thanks for being at Grace Bible Church, and we've been in a, a series on the book of Romans. Plans are this morning to kind of finish up, hopefully, on the plan, God's plan for the nations. It's a background overview of, of Romans 9, 10, and 11. Uh, so as we go into uh, this passage of Scripture uh, 9, 10, and 11 in the book of Romans, um, there's some backgrounds, and that was the, the predestined plan of God <clears throat> and also his plan for the nations that are addressed in these uh, chapters in the book of Romans. So we'll take a look at those, but let's have a word of prayer as we begin. Father in heaven, we thank you for your word that has been spoken to us. We acknowledge our responsibility to you as our God and creator and our redeemer in uh, the hearing of your word and the obedience uh, to those things from your word. Uh, Lord, often we're lacking in wisdom and in the things that we need to know in regard to our relationship with you but God, we give you thanks for the calling that you've given to us, that uh, you have included us in your plan as your people to hold forth the word of truth in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation in a, in a world that is in rebellion against you and is seeking its own way. Lord, you have uh, revealed uh, truth and called us as your people into your service. Father in heaven, we pray that your Holy Spirit would teach us the things from your word that you've revealed to us this morning that are needful for us. We ask for wisdom, Lord, in these days. They're difficult days. And Lord, we know that, that you've called us to just such a time as this that we may be ambassadors for Jesus Christ and ministers of reconciliation to a world that is in rebellion against you and Lord, in your great mercies, you are extending mercy. You're extending <clears throat> the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, the ultimate expression of your love for your creation and for mankind, that we may come to you and find there our salvation, for you are God and Savior, and salvation comes from you, Lord. So we ask that you would teach us the things from your word that are needful for us, this morning, that we may understand the times that we live in and know what we ought to do as your people. We ask, God, for the quickening that your Holy Spirit brings. Thank you for the gift of your Spirit that, that you have shed your love abroad in our hearts. And God, we love you this morning. And we do speak of your praise and give thanks to you for you are a mighty and an awesome and a glorious God. And we're thankful for your mercies that you would look upon us 
and show loving kindness and mercy and the salvation uh, through our Lord Jesus Christ. Fill us with your spirit. Equip us with your word that we may order our steps in accordance to your will and purposes. We pray these things in the name of Jesus and for his glory. Amen. Well, let's look at God's plan for the nations this morning. We, we looked at a number of things last week. and just would uh, quickly review those. But, but remember from Psalm 2 here, we looked at this verse. It's kind of a key verse for us. Uh, but it's addressing, it's the Lord, uh, through the Psalm of David, dressing, addressing the, um, uh, the Messiah, the Lord Jesus uh, who became a man. He, he's of the offspring of David. He took upon himself flesh. Uh, but in this psalm, he says, ask of me and I will give you the nations for your inheritance. So God's plan for the nations is that, that his plan is to give to the Lord Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, the nations, that Jesus Christ will in accordance to Bible prophecy, the plan of the Father, uh, the agenda, the things that are unfolding in our world today, that God has a plan to give to the Lord Jesus the nations for his inheritance. And we discovered in Romans chapter 8 that, that we, for a period of time, will suffer in the name of Jesus Christ that, that his plan and purposes uh, may include that we receive an inheritance from God the Father and that we're co-heirs with Jesus Christ. Now understand and take hold of the, the reality and the truth of this word that's given to us because when God the Father told the Lord Jesus Christ that I will give to you the nations for your inheritance, he was speaking to the bride of Christ as well, that we would be co-heirs with Jesus Christ. And at the establishment of, these, uh, of this gift that the Father gives to his Son, then we as the bride of Christ, in accordance with what the Lord Jesus said, that we will reign with him. I know that that may be difficult to sink into our, our, our minds and our thinking but the reality is this is what the word of God tells us, that we are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus, that, that the salvation that he began in us, that he will complete. And at the end of that, the completion of that, the beauty of God's plan for your life is to reign with Jesus Christ, to reign with Christ, and for God the Father to give the nations to you and to the Lord Jesus. And it's in this relationship with thou, he is our God and we are his people, uh, that, that God through the gospel and through the, his plan, his perfect plan, is drawing all that will come in his great mercy to salvation in Jesus Christ and to a relationship that is eternal with Christ Jesus and with God our Father. He being our God and we being his people. Uh, so there's a, a hugely significant thing 
that is involved with the nations, uh, that involves the, the fall of Adam, the autonomous uh, rebellion and, and, uh, of, of man and angels against God the Father, uh, and the, sub, the bringing under the submission, the dominion in God's plan of those things. Uh, and that's what his plan is uh, through and, and in with the nations in regard to the nations. So let's look at our notes here. There are two things to consider. There's God's predestination from the redemption of mankind. In Romans 9, 10, and 11, we're going to look at the issues of predestination. The scripture very clearly tells us that it is God that chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us to the adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself according to the kind intention of his will. And that simply means that even before he created the world, he knew you and loved you. And his plan and purposes in his sovereign and providential working, in his predestined plan, you were in it. And his great love to you was expressed. Even before he made the world, God loved us and created us. And this is a truth that's in Scripture, and it's significant for us to consider these things and to know these things and to, uh, to live our lives in life of, light of the truth of those things. So, and then there's the second point that we're looking at this morning, that God's plans to save people from every nation. God's plan is for us to be uh, engaged in the Great Commission. God's plan is is for us to save people from every nation. So again, I want to thank you because we just recently, two weeks ago, had our missions conference for the year. Thank you for your support for missions that are those, those that, are, that are faithfully carrying the, the gospel of Jesus Christ to, to, to many nations because that's what God wants for us to do as his people. Ask of me and I will give you the nations for your inheritance and the very ends of the earth as your possession. Psalm 2.8. What a wonderful plan that God has. And let's stay engaged in our, uh, our thoughts and in our activities in what God's will is for us as his people. <clears throat> so thank you, Lyle, the Missions Commission, for the conference, uh, for the, the wonderful reminder from... Uh, Dr. Larry Moyer, that we are missionaries to the hill country, that we're to be sharing the gospel and about the sharing of the gospel to, to those that God has brought us into contact with. And in eternity past, think of it, for you're his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. There's going to be divine appointments for you. And those appointments will be opportunities for you to share the gospel with someone that, that God has planned in eternity past to share with them the, the truth of the salvation that is found in Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. For he is the way and the truth and the life, and no man comes to the Father except through him. And we have this message that must be a burden in our hearts that we must carry to those that God brings us into contact with. 
know your calling and understand the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. That is to be ambassadors for Jesus Christ. You're called to be a minister of reconciliation, uh, to, to, to speak the gospel, to proclaim God's will, God's plan for, for mankind's salvation in every nation that we are about the Great Commission. Go unto all the nations, baptizing them. Uh, go and... Uh, Forgetting my verse here. Uh, go uh, baptizing. Uh, somebody help me. What is that? Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Yes. Teaching them all that I have commanded you. Okay, so, so we're to go making disciples in all the nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them all that I've commanded you. The, this book, this word. We're to teach his word to all the nations. We're to share the gospel as ministers of reconciliation in Christ Jesus. God plans to save people from every nation and he's using you. You're his instrument. you Christ is the vine and you're the branches. He's, he's, uh, he's given it uh, to us, called us to, to this calling. And it's a great and glorious calling to be an ambassador for Jesus Christ, a minister of reconciliation. Don't forget and do not lose the preeminence and the significance, the importance of the gospel. It is hugely significant that our minds are there and not ensnared in the temporal and passing things of this world, but that we're mindful of the calling that God has given to us and about the fulfillment of those things that God has given. <clears throat> and then we see that the Father gives to Jesus and his bride the nations. Ask of me and I will give to you the nations for your inheritance. And every uh, and the very ends of the earth as your possession. Uh, so, uh, what has God given to us? A mandate to go into all the nations to share the gospel uh, from from every nation uh, for their possession, their future possession. And this wonderful plan that God has for His people is uh, that that we would. Uh, possess those things for I consider that the suffering of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us so God has a plan and it's a wonderful plan the father gives Jesus and his bride the nations okay so uh, let's consider then an application uh, in regard to this truth is that our sufferings for Christ should be seen in light of our future rule over the nations, right? Uh, Jesus is king over all. Be noble and treat one another as ruling princes and princesses. Uh, husbands, do you treat your wives as a princess of the Lord Jesus Christ? You know that the scripture says that your wife is 
is a co-heir with you. Uh, and that, that simply means that the fruit that, that is born in a family uh, is, is co-heir and co-equal with husband and wife. Uh, um, brothers, do you treat your sisters as princesses? Do, we do, do, do you do that? Uh, did you know that, that that's what uh, she is in Christ Jesus? Uh, and uh, single people, do you treat, uh, do you defraud? Or do you treat uh, uh, women as uh, objects? Or do you treat them as a princess? Our suffering for Christ should be seen in light of that future rule of righteousness and glory in Christ Jesus. Reach for those things which God and the standard which God has, has set forth for us as God's people. Righteousness and justice and goodness and love for one another. <clears throat> the love that was expressed in Jesus Christ for his people. So uh, God has has laid out in, in history a time. In this chart that we looked at last time, we considered that before the flood there, if you look at the first part over there in, uh, uh, on our, our slide here, the predestinate, the, the pre-Diluvian world that, that Noah came out of it and that God established through his son Shem, Ham, and Japheth all the nations on the earth. But we don't see nations, we don't see the word Gentiles uh, recorded. Uh, it's not mentioned in Scripture before Genesis chapter 10. Um, the nations uh, are, are, are acknowledged there from 1032. These are the families of the sons of Noah according to their genealogies by their nations and out of these, the nations were separated on the earth after the flood. Ham, Shem, and Japheth, all the nations of the earth, came from Noah's three sons. And we find as we go through history there that, uh, that God established in, uh, uh, shortly after the uh, Genesis chapter 10 and 11, where we see this peculiar thing with the, um, with the Babylonian... Um, uh, temple that God establishes in chapter 12 uh, the Abraham the father of Israel uh, and God established and he calls out one nation to uh, give revelation through the covenants and the promises come through the nation of Israel and we see the rise of the nation of Israel and, uh, and, of course, the fall in 586 B.C. here, which brings us to this time, and this is what we're going to be discussing this morning, is a time, a period of time in, in the history of mankind called the Age of the Gentiles. <clears throat> and, in fact, in Luke chapter 21, verse 24, Jesus said, <clears throat> in speaking and addressing Israel, he said that they will fall by the edge of the sword and will be led captive into all the nations and Jerusalem will be trampled underfoot by the Gentiles or that, that word Gentiles and nations, the same word, until the times of the nations or the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. 
So in this period of time, <clears throat> in, uh, beginning in 586, we see a period of time called the age of the Gentiles. The, the fullness of time of the age of the Gentiles, Jesus Christ spoke of as being a future time in which case Jerusalem would be trodden under the foot of the Gentiles or under the nations until the fulfillment of that time takes place. Now, we also find in Matthew, <coughs> uh, the book of Matthew, that Jesus speaks of a time when he will judge the nations. So at his second coming, the Lord Jesus Christ <coughs> will return <coughs> in prophetically what is known as, as Daniel's 70th week that seven-year period of time when mankind's rebellion uh, comes to this, this head and it, it comes to a, a, a global rebellion uh, and an international joining of the nations uh, in rebellion against God under the rule of one man named as the Antichrist who will come to power <coughs> and organize this global rebellion uh, to which Jesus Christ will return. And what we're going to find in Romans 9, 10, and 11 is that Jesus Christ returns <clears throat> to deliver the nation of Israel. Um, and at their beckoning and their call, uh, we will find Jesus Christ coming to establish <clears throat> that kingdom and that rule over those nations that the Father has given to him. Okay, so uh, it's significant that when at Christ's return, that the bride of Christ comes with him, the church is raptured, is taken up to be with the Lord Jesus Christ as he went to prepare a place for us. We'll be raptured, taken up with Christ, and at Christ's return, the second coming, we will come with him to reign during that thousand-year period on earth. Uh, so these are the events that unfold in the time of human history, and the nations are, are directly involved with God's plan unfolding this redemption for mankind, pulling out of all of these nations uh, those that, that will come to salvation and to righteousness through G the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. So this is our business this is what, uh, what we're about as God's people. And uh, so um, that's a, a wonderful chart for you. It's, in, it's on the website. Uh, I think you have it in your notes there if you, if you want to pick that up. But it's, it's good to see that the nations began after the flood with the offspring of one man, Noah. Uh, and, of course, uh, Acts 17.26 says, And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on the face of the earth, having determined their appointed times and their boundaries of their habitation. God has a plan for the nations. And we're to be engaged in it as God's people. We've been given a mandate through the Great Commission to the, for the carrying of the gospel to, uh, to every tribe and nation and people. And... Uh, in the future, there will be the reign of Jesus Christ and these things unfolding. We're watching them unfold today. We can see God's plan making its way through human history, and, and we must see 
the sovereign and providential hand of God, the almighty hand of God, pulling these things together and, and orchestrating his will. And we're a part of it as God's people. And we need to take the, the truth of that and the reality of that and apply it to our hearts and our lives because our lives should be expended on what God has called us to as his people, right? Uh, and that is the sharing of the gospel and the taking of these nations uh, through the gospel of Jesus Christ. So let's move on to the next point here. Uh, <clears throat> God <clears throat> made the nations. God created all the nations. Uh, and so, uh, again, there, there's our, our Acts 17, 26 passage, and he made from one man, that's Noah, right? As, uh, as, as we just learned in, in Genesis uh, 10, uh, verse 3 there, God made from one man Noah every nation of mankind to live on the face of the earth, having determined their appointed times and the boundaries of their habitation. So God established the boundaries of the habitations of these nations. That's how God works providentially in history, in time, and in space. God has, has, has chosen to work his unseen hand, his mighty hand, works in such a way. So the scripture tells us, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and in due time he will exalt you. He's doing these great and mighty things. God made the nations. He created these things. He's designed it and he knows what he's doing. Sometimes it seems like because the rebellion is bad and because of man's uh, rebellion toward their creator, it seems like things are out of control. But things are never outside of our God's control. They're never outside. He knows what he's doing. And as chaotic as it may seem because of man's rebellion against his creator, God is, is using and, and working all of these things for his greater purposes and for great glory. Uh, though there's suffering for a period of time, in these days. The third point here is that God separates Israel from all other nations. From what? For what great nation is there that has a God so near to it as the Lord our God whenever we call upon him. And so we, we uh, read in the scripture the things that God worked toward the nation of, of Israel uh, that the gifts and the calling of God, according to what we're going to find in chapter 11 here of Romans, are without repentance. God doesn't pull back on his word. He's always good to his word. And, and God called Israel as a great nation, though he's disciplined them uh, for their, their rebellion and because of their idolatry and, and their turning from him and from his ways Yet God is, is always going to fulfill his plan, exactly what he said he would do. And then there's a fourth point here. God is the judge of all the nations. Uh, this is what we, we need to understand. And this is one of the, the questions that always comes up, right? You're speaking with, a, with an unbeliever, an atheist, or an agnostic, and they say, well, why is there so much evil in the world? Why doesn't God do something about all of the evil? And God is doing something about all of the evil. And God is telling us in Scripture, in Bible prophecy, that there will be a time when the, a day of wrath comes upon mankind. 
But in God's great mercy, he has withheld that judgment. And as, the, as we read this morning in the Sunday school hour, uh, do you think lightly of the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that the kindness of God leads you to repentance, but because of your stubbornness and unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself in the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God. So why doesn't God answer the problems of evil on planet earth? Well, he is in his mercy. He's withholding judgment. He's withholding his wrath because if he had have brought his wrath uh, in an earlier day, you wouldn't be here. But in his mercies, he, he uh, withheld his justice, withheld his wrath because of mercy to draw those who will come from every tribe, every nation, every people. God will judge. And the scripture tells us that, uh, that God will judge even the, the thoughts and the things done in secret. Uh, so there's nothing that you can hide from the Lord our God. He knows everything about you. And he's expressed his love to you. He's expressed his willingness to forgive our sin and all of those things that, that fall short of the holiness of God. The scripture says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There's none righteous, none that seeketh after God. There's none <clears throat> that... Uh, can meet and match his standard for righteousness. We're all guilty, and the wages of our sin is death, but the gift of God and his mercy is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. But we must come to terms with the, our fleshly nature and our rebellion against God and our, our contrary nature to him. And in repentance, when we cry out to God, he is merciful to forgive our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, and to bring about through faith that salvation that can come through Jesus Christ alone. God will save his people, and he knows your thoughts and he intents. Every wicked thing and selfish thought and desire expressed <clears throat> in word <coughs> or in deed. <clears throat> God's judgment and his wrath is coming upon mankind. <clears throat> and so <clears throat> he is the judge of all nations. Uh, so a point to be made here in regard to these things, and I have some, some uh, uh, quotes, some things to, to bring uh, in regard to our message this morning, and that is that in the plan unfolding that mankind's rebellion, it grows and grows and grows. And we looked at the, the Tower of Babel uh, there in the Old Testament, uh, and we're, we're really looking at a time in human history where there's, there is a move toward uh, one world government. Uh, there's a, a, a breach of of the issues that took place at the Tower of Babel <clears throat> when God confused the languages and he separated, he split these nations up. 
Uh, and what we're seeing today in our, our day and time is the reestablishment of this rebellion of mankind on a global uh, stage. Uh, but reading from Genesis chapter 11, verses uh, 4 and 6, I just took a, a passage out here to, to express what took place during that time. Because remember, God in chapter 10 tells them to spread out through all the nations and, uh, through, uh, and to establish nations, to spread out through all the earth. And they didn't. Uh, actually, in Genesis 11, chapter 4, they said, Come, let us build for ourselves a city and a tower whose top will reach unto heaven, and let us make for ourselves a name. Otherwise, we will be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. And what did God tell them to do? Scatter abroad. What did they do? Not scatter abroad, right? So, uh, and this is a this is an act of rebellion on, on mankind's rebellion part to, to God, uh, an act of rebellion against the establishment, the divine establishment of nations. God divinely established nations, okay? So uh, mankind's reaction is, uh, come, let us, let, us, uh, uh, let us build for ourselves a city and a tower whose top will reach into heaven. Uh, so what are they doing? It's an expression of, of rebellion about what happened in the flood, right? And they're, they're forming together. And what does the Lord say about it? The Lord said, behold, they are one people, and they all have the same language. And this is what they began to do. And now nothing which they purpose to do will be impossible for them. So what is, what's God saying there in regard to their plan? He's saying that in their rebellion, the things that they purpose to do, it will not be impossible for them to do. Uh, so what they've purposed in their heart, uh, they, in, in their rebellion against God, will, will, uh, it will be possible for them to do. Uh, so God has a, a particular uh, dislike uh, for those things that... Um, uh, that he is, is uh, that is expressed in mankind's rebellion here. So, what about today? What about in regard to the reestablishment of this idea of mankind's rebellion on a global scope? Uh, today, we're seeing the coming together of things like never before, where the nations are being drawn. Uh, and Humanist Manifesto num number two that was written in 1973, they're actually telling us what they're planning to do. We deplore the division of humankind on nationalistic grounds. Okay, you understand what that's saying? They don't. They hate nations. They deplore the division of mankind on nationalistic grounds. We have reached a turning point in human history where the best option is to transcend the limits of national sovereignty and to move toward the building of a world community in which all sectors of the human family can participate. Thus, we look to the development of a system of world law and world order based upon transnational federal government. So what we have are globalists that are describing uh, the rebellion that took place in, in Genesis chapter 11, 
uh, and a, a reestablishment of that goal, that purpose in their hearts. And they're telling us what they plan to do. <clears throat> Another um, uh, thing from uh, in regard to the world community is um, from the Humanist Manifesto number two, at the present juncture of history, commitment to all humankind is the highest commitment of which we are capable. It transcends the narrow allegiance of church, state, party class, or race in moving toward a wider vision of human potentiality. What more <clears throat> daring a goal for humankind than for each person to become an ideal as well as practice a citizen of a world community. So this is mankind's rebellion against God's mandate. Notice that it says allegiances of church and state. So there's two divine institutions that are being addressed there in the rebellion of the globalist in the rebellion of mankind. Uh, uh, and, and actually, we find a, a third divine institution mentioned uh, in, um, by uh, uh, George Brock Chisholm. Uh, to achieve world government, it is necessary to remove from the minds of men their individualism, loyalty to family traditions, national patriotism, and religious dogmas. Okay, that's all three divine institutions, right? Divine institution one, the family, Genesis chapter two, chapter three. Um, national patriotism, uh, Genesis uh, chapter 10, as established by God, ja Genesis chapter nine and 10 actually, right? That's the divine institution number two that God gave for the benefit of mankind. Divine institution number three, church, religious dogmas, removal of, of that uh, divine institution that God gave for the benefit of mankind. This is a rebellion against all of those divine institutions that God established for our benefit and for our blessing. And then we look at the new order, uh, the new order. Um, Barack Obama had this to say, part of people's concern is just the sense that around the world the old order isn't holding and we're not quite yet to where we need to be in terms of a new order that's based on a different set of principles. That's based on a sense of common humanity that's based on economies that work for all people. And that's Barack Obama's statement fundamentally transforming America as an idea of, of uh, a new order, uh, a new world order <clears throat> at a time when uh, uh, something outside of, of the national order, the, the divine institution of nations is transcended by an international form of government. And we know from Bible prophecy in the book of Revelation that, that we're, we're looking at there a, um, a, um, a coordination of the nations of mankind under the rule of one man, the Antichrist, uh, through which Satan indwells. 
uh, and that's Bible prophecy. And we see these things unfolding as we see this time drawing near. We know that we're closer to the return of our Lord Jesus Christ and to that judgment that falls upon the nations and these uh, trends toward globalism and one world government is uh, directly involved in that. We should oppose it as God's people. Resist these things that are contrary to the divine institutions that God has established. So, and then we have uh, from Robert Mueller, <clears throat> who's a secretary of the United Nations, and he, he's died pretty recently. Um, but we must move as quickly as possible to a one world government, a one world religion, under a one world leader. <coughs> and I look for this, this quote, uh, and some contend that he ever said that, uh, but he definitely <coughs> had a, a, a desire and a concern for pulling all the religions on earth together uh, into a one world uh, religion. He, he did uh, definitely saw, said this, peace will be impossible without the taming of a fundamentalism through a united religion that professes faithfulness only to the global spirituality and the health of this planet. And he said, my great personal dream is to get a tremendous alliance between all the major religions and the United Nations. So there's not only a, a quest for the, the globalization of the nations, but there's a quest for the for the globalization of the religious orders, uh, that there would be a unity in the, the, the self-promotion uh, of humankind, of mankind, in rebellion against God and our Creator. So we need to understand the battle uh, that is taking place, that is unfolding, and uh, in regard to addressing those things and resisting those things, as uh, we can uh, in letting our light so shine before the world and holding forth the, the uh, word of truth in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. Uh, God is, has called us as his people to engage these things. Now, there's also the, the humanist proselytizing. Um, Charles Francis Potter had this to say, education is thus a most powerful ally of humanism and every public school is a school of humanism. What can the theistic Sunday schools meeting for an hour once a week and teaching only a fraction of the children do to stem the tide of a five-day program of humanistic teaching? Uh, so uh, they're saying these things. Um, and you, you see, they understand that the, that the, the battle, the engagement, is, uh, is against Christ. It's against God. It's against Sunday school. It's against praying in school. It's against uh, the Bible being read in school. It's against these things. It's, it's the nature of, of uh, the God of this world and the, the spiritual battle that's taking place. We as God's people need to be aware and engaged in these things. And indeed we are, aren't we? Uh, don't we have a wana this afternoon? You know, aren't we invested 
in teaching the things from God's word and establishing those in the hearts and lives of our children. And, and uh, don't we have teachers over there that are, that are working in regard to, to the, uh, the um, uh, teaching of the scripture, the memorization of scripture, the hiding it in the heart, uh, ordering our steps in his word, hiding it in our heart that we may not sin against God, walking in the light of God's truth, well, that's where our battle is. Uh, that's where we're, we're to engage as God's people. How do we engage in the mandate that Christ gave to us? Teaching them all that I've commanded you. Teaching them God's word, the light of truth, that we look at things through the prism of, of God's word and that we see these things in this battle that's taking place in light of, of the engagement of the gospel of Jesus Christ in the engagement of the Word of God that is given for our health and good uh, purposes. These are where our battles are, and it's what we're to engage in as God's people. So there's a war in the classrooms. Um, I'm convinced the battle of mankind's future must be waged and won in the classroom by teachers who correctly perceive their role as the proselyters of a new faith the classroom must and will become an arena of conflict between the old and the new. The rotting corpse of Christianity together with all its adjacent evils and misery and the new faith resplendent in its promises. They're saying these things. They're telling us what they do. They're telling us what they think. So as we look at these things, we need to know where the battle is and where the, the lines are drawn and what, what we're to address. When it says, when he says the rotting corpse of Christianity, who is he addressing there? But our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, and this is mankind and his rebellion against not just the church, but against the Lord Jesus, against God's word and against the truth that's been revealed to mankind. They understand it. They reject it and have moved on. Martin Luther had this to say, I am much afraid that schools will prove to be the great gates of hell unless they diligently labor in explaining the holy scriptures. Okay? And engraving them in the hearts of youth. I advise no one to place his child where the scriptures do not reign paramount. Every institution in which men are not unceasingly occupied with the word of God must become corrupt. Well, is that a true statement? Amen, it is. And it's uh, wise for us to, to be aware of those things. I have one other uh, thing to say, uh, address here. C.S. Lewis had this to say. It's just so well said. Let us not be deceived by phrases about man taking charge of his own destiny all that can really happen is that some men will take charge of the destiny of others. They will be simply men, none perfect, some greedy, cruel, and dishonest. The more completely we are planned, the more powerful they will be. Have we discovered some new reason why this time power should not corrupt as it has done before? Uh, so that's just wise uh, because... All that can really happen is that some men will take charge of the destiny over others. Freedom and liberty uh, to love God and serve God is uh, taken away under this order, this world order.
Okay, so uh, looking in further at the notes, uh, God's controversy with the, the nations is with evil. God's controversy with the nations is evil. At one moment, I might speak concerning a nation or concerning a kingdom to uproot, to pull down, or to destroy it. If that nation against which I have spoken turns from its evil, I will relent concerning the calamity I plan to bring on it. So God's controversy with nations is with our evil. Uh, and so God wants us to turn from away from doing wrong. He wants for us to turn away from doing wrong. Um, so what does he want? He wants for us in repentance uh, to turn toward him, to acknowledge that God is our Savior, to acknowledge that mankind can't establish uh, dominion over earth apart from our God and Creator, apart from his instruction, apart from the revelation of his word apart from that truth. And we're simply loving people uh, when, we, when we tell them and when we give warning in regard to these things and when we call people to repentance. Uh, if we, we've removed the prayer from our, our schools. Well, why did we do that? Was it not because we, we didn't, don't want God to have a part of our our, the raising up of our youth, well, that's exactly what it's the expression of. And how can that go well for us? Uh, it just can't go well. So what do we do, you know, as, as God's people? Uh, we're to repent, to acknowledge that, that, um, that we are engaged as a nation, as a people, as individuals uh, with these uh, cultural things that are taking place and turn toward the light of God's word in repentance and say, God, help us, um, save us. Uh, some of the things that are going on the back table back there, the cultural impacting, CIT has CRT, um, critical race theory. There's a, a couple of pamphlets back there. Now, I would encourage you to go and get one. You need to know what critical race theory is about, where it came from. It's simply a, a communist front that came out of the Frankfurt schools um, and, and so back there, there's a couple of pamphlets. There's a, there's a sheet uh, that kind of uh, just, it lays out what critical race theory is and some things that you can do uh, that uh, Lori put together. Uh, those booklets are, are uh, <clears throat> they're, uh, very good in explaining where critical race theory came from, uh, the difference between the gospel and social justice, because these that are, that are trying to pull these religions together, they're moving away from the gospel. They've infiltrated the church. They're moving away from the gospel, and they're, they're, they're in, in its place, they're putting uh, social justice in the place of the gospel. Well, we need to understand that because that's happening in seminaries. Our seminaries are promoting critical race theory. They're promoting social justice in place of the gospel. And, and the churches, I mean, we're not aware, even solid, strong 
conservative and fundamental seminaries have moved toward this thing. They're not alerting people to what critical race theory is. They're not alerting people to the, the dangers of replacing the gospel of Jesus Christ with liberation theology or social justice in place of the gospel. We need to be aware as God's people. So get one of those pamphlets, come to understand it and, and know that that you have that God's going to give you opportunities to, to speak truth to people. The truth from his word, truth that God has revealed to us. So Okay, well, moving on here then. God's controversy with the nations is with their, his, their wickedness. Jeremiah 18, 9 and 10 says, Or another moment I might speak concerning a nation or concerning a kingdom to build up or plant it if it does evil in my sight by not obeying my voice, then I will think better of the good which I had promised to bless it with. That's a warning to all of us, right? It's a warning to every nation. It's a warning that God is God, and we must acknowledge him as God. And we must uh, walk in, in light of the truth that he's given to us. Uh, if we do not, if we walk in wickedness, we walk in evil, God will judge and, and deal with the problem of evil. He did it with Israel, right? And he'll do it with our country. He'll do it with any country. It's, it's that principle that God is God, and God judges the nations. Another point here is that God has set a time of final judgment of the nations will come. And again, we look at that passage in Luke 21, 24, where Israel will fall by the edge of the sword and will be led captive into the nations, and Jerusalem will be trampled under the foot of the Gentiles, or under the nations, until the time of the Gentiles is completed. There's a day and a time when that fullness of the Gentiles is going to take place, the fullness of the nations is going to take place and the return of our Lord Jesus Christ will come because the scripture tells us the Lord Jesus said that, that the Father has given unto me the responsibility of judgment. Uh, John chapter 5. And in Matthew uh, it says that, uh, that he will return and judge the nations in, in regard to the sheep and the goats. You may remember that passage Okay, so the fourth point is that the, the Lord has prophesied a judgment of all the nations uh, in Israel. I will gather all the nations and bring them down. Now, here's prophecy, here's a Bible prophecy, to the Valley of Jehoshaphat. And most people hold that the Valley of Jehoshaphat is the Kidron Valley there, Steve. For, uh, you remember the, the place there as we, we looked at it. Uh, I will gather them and I will enter into judgment with them there. So Joel, the prophet, declared that there's a day of judgment for all the nations, and on behalf of my people and my inheritance Israel, whom they have scattered among the nations, and they have divided up my land. So what did, what did Jesus say? Until the age of the Gentiles is complete, Jerusalem is going to be trodden underfoot. But there's going to be a day, prophetically speaking, when God will gather them, all the nations, in the valley of Jehoshaphat, and he will judge them on the basis of them having scattered Israel into all the nations and having divided up God's land. Until the time of the Gentiles is fulfilled. Isn't that awesome? There's a day coming. It's not so far away, I don't believe. 
There's a day coming when the Lord Jesus will return and he will judge the nations there. And, and there will be righteousness brought on planet earth and God will do exactly what we're talking about. I will give to you an inheritance among the nations. Amen. Yes, Jesus will judge all the nations at his second coming. But when the Son of Man comes in his glory, all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him. And he will separate them from one another and the as the shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. These will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. A day of judgment. A day of judgment upon the nations. It's taught in Scripture. It's prophesied and it's unfolding before us. We're very near. We're much nearer than we were yesterday. Uh, and, and just the past year and the past things that have happened. We're moving that direction because God is sovereign. He's almighty. He's powerful. And the judgment of the nations is going to take place. He's going to right things. He's going to make them right. God judges a nation. So it brings us back to our, our uh, chart there where we see the end of the age of the Gentiles, the second coming of Jesus Christ, the establishment of the millennial kingdom where all the nations on earth are, are given under the rule of Jesus Christ. The sheep and the goats are separated. Uh, those that are unbelievers, did you realize that going into the millennial kingdom, everybody's going to be a believer? No, no place did that happen except today, Sandy, you mentioned it. Where was that? Noah's Ark. There all believers came off that ark. And it was a time in human history where you had all believers on earth. The only other time that we're going to see that is the, the tribulation, I mean the millennial kingdom at the second coming of Christ when he separates the sheep from the goats and removes them. And all of those that come out of the nations are going to be under the reign of Christ and under the reign of who else? Me. It's crazy. It's just, if God's word didn't say it, I wouldn't believe it. <laughs> but God's word says it. You're to be a co-heir with Jesus Christ. You're to reign with him. You're going to be there. You're going to be with our glorious Lord. It's an awesome thing. What God has planned for you. And you want to be there. If you haven't put your trust in Jesus Christ. If you haven't believed in his in and that God is our savior that Jesus Christ who came in the flesh and dwelt among us and he, and he humbled himself and even unto the obedience of the cross and there God made he who knew no sin to become sin on our behalf that we might be made the righteousness of God in him he's given to you Christ's righteousness he's taken from you your sin and placed it upon Jesus Christ and Christ substituted for you the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ means all of these things. And it's inconceivable what God has prepared for us as his people. So this slide shows um, the, the coming of the nation there. Uh, in the days of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which will never be destroyed. And that kingdom will not be left for another people. It will crush and put an end to all those kingdoms but it will itself endure forever. And as much as you saw that a stone was cut out of the mountain 
without hands and that it crushed the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold, the great God has made known to the king what will take place in the future. So the dream is true and its interpretation is trustworthy. That's God's plan. The coming of Jesus Christ, he will give to him the nations. The end of the age of the Gentiles takes place when that stone cut without hands. The, the Lord Jesus Christ comes in his power and his glory and he judges the nations. Uh, for, uh, sixth point there, God will, God's angels will imprison Satan. During the tribulation period, it says that, that Satan himself is put in chains and thrown into the abyss. He doesn't go to the lake of fire. Later on, he'll go to the lake of fire. And, but, but Satan is bound for a thousand years during that millennial reign of Jesus Christ. There will be planet Earth without um, the demonic and satanic element uh, to corrupt mankind. And so these are the things that we have to look forward to in the future. An application here for us is that our poise when tragedy strikes proves our faith in God's sovereignty. Do you believe in the sovereignty of God? Things may get crazy here, you know. I mean, these next few years, these years have been pretty crazy. And it may get really crazy. But as God's people... Are we trusting in the things on this earth? Is, are we set on our, our minds on the things on this earth? Or are, we, are we setting our minds on our Lord and God and his glory and his plan and what he's doing? We as God's people should have poise during this time. We should have poise when tragedy strikes. It, it proves our faith that, that we believe who we say our God is. Our testimony of who God is will be, will be tested in these kind of days. But we can always know and be courageous and not be afraid because God tells us not to be afraid. He tells us that he's in charge. He tells us that we're more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. So with boldness, we proclaim truth. We resist evil. We stand against evil. And, and that means uh, uh, against those that, that corrupt the, the institutions of, of, that God has established and the things that God has, has established. So God's purposes for the nations is eternal. There will always be nations. It's a wonderful thing. But get this. Not only are people from all of these nations brought into the kingdom and they're given to his son, but did you know that in the eternal state, in the new Jerusalem, that the, the kings and the glory of the kings and the nations will come in the eternal state. That's after the millennial kingdom, after the thousand-year reign on earth, when the new Jerusalem comes down and the new heavens and the earth are created and, and all sin and, and wickedness and everything separated, all that, that people say that they would want God to do will have unfolded and will have taken place, and he will be our God and we will be his people and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into Jerusalem in the eternal state. Did you know that? Uh, as with Pharaoh, so God will judge a final global conspiracy. For the scripture says to Pharaoh, for this is the very purpose I raised you up to demonstrate my power in you, 
that my name might be proclaimed throughout the whole earth. God is doing those things. The second thing is that mankind will fail and God will win. And Habakkuk 2, remember our studies there? For the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. God's plan is to give, bring his glory to planet earth. So thirdly, uh, stop striving for you are on God's side. The scripture says, be still and know that I am God. Stop striving. Be exalted among the nations, for I will be exalted. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Our sovereign almighty God is going to do, he's doing these very things. And we can trust and know that he will do those things. And we can be still and know that he is God. Uh, fourthly, God is sovereign. God reigns over the nations. God sits on his holy throne. So be a good citizen and let God judge wicked people. You know, we're not supposed to judge wicked people. God does that. So we don't have to worry about those things. Uh, we're not to strive in regard to those things. Um, we're to exercise discernment about evil and wickedness and righteousness and such things and make decisions in light of that truth. But God is the one that judges, and we need to relinquish it into his hands. Five, the nations will exist in the eternal state. And this is a point I was making. The nations will walk by its light, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. In the, daylight, in the daytime, for there will be no night there, its gates will never be closed, and they will bring the glory and honor of the nations into it. And nothing unclean and no one who practices abomination and lying shall ever come into it, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. You know, next week we're going to have a, a demonstration from the children's um, Sunday school class of the New Jerusalem. There's going to be a model out here, and you're not going to want to miss it. I mean, it's going to be awesome to see the, the model that they built of the New Jerusalem. And other things that are mentioned, you may want to read Genesis, I mean, Revelation chapter 21 and 22 for next week, just so that you'll know some of the things that, that the children have learned um, and are, are demonstrating to us next week. By way of application, faith overcomes fear with courage. Faith overcomes fear with courage. Uh, let's have faith as God's people. Grow your faith. Know that the trials that God has given to you is intended to grow your faith and trust in God. Be brave. Do not be afraid in times that, are, that seem fearsome. Fear focuses on the size of the obstacle, but faith focuses upon the, side of our great, the size of our great and almighty God. By way of application, set your mind on God's interests and not men's. I give this warning. The Lord has a controversy with the nations. He wants for us to set our mind on his interest, on God's interest and not on man's. And this is a passage where, where Peter was rebuking the Lord for saying he's going to the cross because the Messiah was supposed to establish reign and, and to take away the Roman, uh, 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 the Roman judgment that was falling on Israel. And, and so Peter re rebukes the Lord for saying that he's going to go to the cross. And he tells Peter, get behind me, Satan. 
for you're not setting your mind on God's interest on man, but on man's. Have to ask ourselves the question, are we setting our minds on our own interests and upon our own uh, preservation? I'm sorry. Are we setting our mind on the things that, that are God's interest? Uh, and it's important for us to do that thing. By way of conclusion, the Lord shows that the nation's power is nothing compared to his. The Lord nullifies the counsel of the nations. He frustrates the plans of peoples. So it's, it's ludicrous that these are rebelling against God and against his word. And the end of that is not going to go well. A further conclusion, the Lord shows that the nation's power is nothing compared to his. Isaiah 40, 17 says, all the nations are as nothing before him. They were regarded by him as less than nothing and meaningless. And then the Lord shows that the nation's power is nothing compared to his. In Isaiah 40, 22 and 23, it is the Lord who sits above the circle of the earth and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers who stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them out like a tent to dwell in. He it is who reduces rulers to nothing and who makes the judges of the earth as meaningless. So whatever power those that think they have are moving in these directions are simply moving in regard to the, the predestined sovereign plan and working of God <clears throat> to accomplish those things. Yet in the very, in the, in the new Jerusalem, the nations will walk in its light and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. And they will bring the glory and the honor of the nations into Jerusalem. That's our future. So be honorable. Do what you say you will do and glorify God. Uh, let's close in prayer. Father in heaven, we thank you for uh, your wonderful word and for the truth that, that you have have uh, given to us, Lord God. And uh, we pray that in, in light of the truth of your word, that we may be faithful to you in holding forth the word of truth in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, that we will not lose sight of our purposes and that we will not take the interest of man above your interest, but will lay hold of that which you have set before us. We pray and we lift these things up. Lift your people to you, Lord. Equip us with grace and strength and poise that we're not fearful, but that we're determined and trusting and by the power of your spirit and the wisdom of your spirit to guide us through these days that we may understand the times to know what we ought to do. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.